Hello and welcome to the Habibi's three game developers singing about good Arab tea. <laughs> I, we'll keep the singing to you, Fauzi. <laughs> I'm your host for today, Fauzi Mesmar. And I do uh, the percussion for today, Rami Ismail. <laughs> and I guess I just laugh along. <laughs> um, for, for the people who don't know what just happened. <laughs> That is Amr Diab's Habibi Yanur Ayn, which is probably what is like the Western equivalent of Yanur Ayn. I think there's something as ubiquitous as maybe We Will Rock You is like a close thing. Yeah, it's like it's like that song that got popular for like three years (laughs) and was played everywhere all the time, but like continuously. It's I think still it's classic played. at this point. It's played it's everywhere. Played right. Every single wedding I go to now, yep. sometimes twice. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just it is the song, I think. It is yeah. it is also Amr Dieb ages backwards, which is yes. weird. Which is very weird. He, he like, is he, Benjamin Button. Yeah, he kinda like <laughs> aged up and then at some point he was like, nah, nah, back is better. <laughs> But I'm, I'm not kidding. For the last like two and a half decades, maybe three decades, I don't remember when it was launched. You hear it like every single wedding, every single wedding, once or twice. It is everywhere. And it's really catchy. He's he's it's, the master of catchy tunes. It yeah. really is. Man, like it's incredible. This guy keeps on putting albums. All of his albums is like ubiquitous across the Middle East. Everybody's singing all of his songs. It was wild. I think like, you know, I've never bought... Like I never like myself went and bought an Amr Diab uh, like tape or tape. do you need to <laughs> or CD? <laughs> but I know every single song by heart. <laughs> it's because you can't exist in the Middle East without <laughs> without knowing or hearing Amr Diab everywhere you go, basically. Yeah, and he has this song called Habibi and Urilain. <laughs> yeah, he has so many. He has he has a lot of bangers though. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised he's on the show right now. Yeah. I'm just here. It's a yoko. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm a <laughs> Oh my god, he sounds just like Fozzy. <laughs> that came out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was good. <laughs> Who the fuck? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm crying. Yeah, this me too. too I just need. I need a moment. <laughs> you're the host. You 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 do something. <laughs> oh, no. yeah, that was, that was good. <laughs> so good to, to talk to you, Habibis. Actually, I saw Rami. Uh, we saw week. each other in real life. Yes, saw I saw the picture. <laughs> the same height picture. It was wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah that took that, some effort, that photo. <laughs> Which that conference person? was that in? Um, that was DEFCOM in Gdansk. Yeah, There's in a Def, it's the same DEFCOM as in Cologne, but in Poland? No, no, that's DEFCOM. No, no, no. This is DEFGOM. What? Wait, what? Like Defcom? Defcom is spelled Defcom, and yes. then Defgum is spelled G A M M. It's ah, mostly Eastern okay. European games conference. It's it has that energy, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, and Defcom has been doing events throughout Eastern Europe uh, before the war in Russia, uh, before the war in Ukraine, mm-hmm. but also in 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 uh, I think in Latvia in. Um, uh, used to be in Belarus and Lithuania, um, and now also in Poland. Yeah, then uh, the, the, they're like you know moved following the war. They're now like doing it in a lot of different countries. So like there's uh, the one in Poland. They're doing one in uh, Lithuania in the summer, and another one in Portugal. I think later in the year. So yeah, 
Nothing awesome. can stop these guys from doing game dev stuff. Yes. Yeah, that's impressive. That's awesome. Yeah, super cool. <laughs> and Rami and I were there, and uh, we wanted to take a photo together. And the person that's taking the photo is really struggling to, <laughs> to, to yeah. both, both of us in frame. <laughs> so I just, I just, I just went and like basically like had to kneel down to be the yeah. same, uh, the same height as Fauzi. Rami is not even short. That's the crazy part. That, that's what I don't get. Like you guys are huge. We're yeah, just like. Big. And yeah, I, yeah. I feel small, like next to, to Rami too. Well, at least short. Maybe not small, but right. at least short next to Rami. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just Dutch. So here I'm like, <laughs> here I'm slightly above average. Um, Rami and, and I are continuing the tradition, and now you're, you're in it as well, Osama. In which, like, we always see each other, but never in the country where three. we're actually living. Yeah. <laughs> and also, very rarely the three of us. That has only happened one time. Once and it's going to happen a second time. Yeah. Inshallah and in GDC. Inshallah. Inshallah. Yeah. I'm still not locked in for GDC. Oh. So okay. I'm not sure yet, but it's <laughs> it's a likely, but it's not a yes yet. Okay. okay. You know true. what I love about Arabs is that like, you know, when there's an event that's happening, like we're gonna meet in GDC, then the Arabs are like, Inshallah, if this like Terrible thing doesn't happen, you know. Like, <laughs> let's survive the air ride first, and then we'll see. <laughs> and then yep. we'll see. <laughs> yep, I'll, I'll see if I can make it there. <laughs> let's all make it there in one piece. Then yep. we'll see. Let's, let's not. You know, I have to say though, like in in terms of terrible travel stories, I think the best one that ever happened to me was last year at GDC. The TSA impounded my shaving kit. What? So I, I couldn't think. shave. And um, that's because I hadn't shaved before GDC. I'm like, you know, I'm going to go to GDC. I'm going to shave before I go outside, right? <laughs> um, I'm going to shave before I go outside, and then I'll just be clean shaven. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll look good. Like, I'll have my normal beard and everything. But because my kid was missing, um, my friend uh, Ferris uh, went out and bought, like, a, a manual shaving thing. Uh, because I literally had nothing I was arriving late like everything was closing already and he was like I messaged him I'm like well they they took my they took my stuff (laughs) and uh, and he was like no 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 Habibi listen I'm I'm gonna grab some stuff like tell me where your hotel is I'll make sure it's there right so I got this tiny little like very very nice uh, uh, hygiene kit basically with a manual shave but like I have an Arab beard like you can't just go (laughs) and manually shave like that you know you're gonna bleed all over because uh, it's it's thick hair and it's a lot, right? <laughs> so you you normally want to soften it up a bit with a trim or a shave or anything like it. But um, the um, the basic the basic result was that I could shave sort of my cheeks, but not sort of my mustache. That was grown a, a little too large to shave it. And from that point, I've had this sort of like mustache around my mouth mm. uh, on top of the beard and. Frankly, looking at old photos of myself, this looks way better. <laughs> I like how this looks much more. So I'm just like, thanks, DSA, for being racist. <laughs> thanks for the racism. You helped me find my style. I remember they also took your shirts, right? Yeah, oh, that happened as well. They also took my passport once. That was terrifying. What? Wow. Oh. Yeah. Well, they eventually gave it back, but, you know. It, it's still they, terrifying. Yeah. yeah, I was missing my passport for like two hours. At San Francisco, they have this weird thing where they take your passport by putting it in a plastic box and putting that on a necklace and then putting the necklace around you. Wait, that is so weird. And you what, can't what? take the passport out until you do the things they tell you to. So you technically have a passport. You just can't leave the building with it. That is that's so weird. Odd. Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw a picture of that. Did you post a yeah, picture of that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I think I think they wanted to they probably got in legal trouble by taking the passport from someone and they're like, Well, okay, we'll make sure you keep your passport then. Okay. Huh. Um, Spiteful. Yeah. Wow. Petty. <laughs> oh, so I can see why it's not a luck for San Francisco yet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm never I'm never a big fan of San Francisco, but I'm like extra not a fan of San Francisco post COVID. Like yeah. it's it's, uh, it's rough. Yeah, I haven't I been since, so I'm kind of dreading it. But at the same time, you know, GDC seeing everybody, yeah. it's exciting. Yeah. It's scary. It's, it's, <laughs> it's gonna oh, be tiring. Like, I don't know about the rest of the the Bay Area because like 
I, I don't know how widespread it is, but downtown really does look different. It in yeah. some ways it looks like a war zone. More buildings are like shut down and boarded up. More people on on the roads. Like it feels like the disparity between rich and poor is more intense now than it's ever been before. Yeah, and it's just getting worse. It is a, a like I have to say it's a really sad sight. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see, but uh, hopefully, like seeing you f- fine folk will uh, will make this uh, a lot more uh, exciting experience. Hopefully, yeah. Us. I mean, inshallah. I know, I know, inshallah. I'm gonna have a blast seeing y'all, but assuming yeah. Rami makes it, inshallah, yeah. to the plane. Are we gonna go flying? And, yes, you're gonna take <laughs> us in. over the Golden Gate. Yeah, uh, if, if, if I can happening? get us, if I can get it set up, yeah, absolutely. Did you figure out the podcasting in a plane thing yet, or is that? Yeah, I have it set up, but I haven't had time to properly test it. And there's been a plot twist. Uh-oh. There's been uh-huh. a plot twist. There's always a plot twist. This is a good <laughs> plot twist. So uh-huh. I was at Dice. Uh, Dice is another games conference. It happens in Vegas every year. It's sort of like the more businessy one uh, it's the more businessy political one um it's it's a very good show it's expensive though um i was at dice and i was telling some people about this plan of doing this this show because i was going to fly at dice but then america the u.s um the united states got hit by this terrible storm like just honestly frankly a kind of a unique storm almost mm. and um uh, basically, I just I only got an hour and a half of flying in, which means I got my checkout. I, I can now fly airplanes um, at that flight school. I got my license converted to a U.S. license, so I'm now also a U.S. licensed pilot. Nice. Um, yeah, that was cool. Congrats. Uh, so I can fly airplanes in Vegas at this one flight school, and I have my license to get basically try and, and get that permission anywhere. Um. So um, the 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 main thing is when I get to um, when I was in Vegas, I was trying I was gonna go test that setup, and I just didn't have time to. So I don't um, I don't I I don't have confidence that it will record nicely, and I don't want to be busy with that setup in an airspace I don't know. Right, mm. like if I'm flying in a place where I don't know, I want to have time to to sort of like either know the airspace, which I would hope four days in Vegas would let me know the airspace, mm-hmm. so that the second or third day I would have time to like actually practice. But San Francisco is even more complicated airspace, and I don't think I'm going to risk it. But I was at Dice, right, and um, I I came across this man called Bruce. Um, and, I like and where this is going. You know, you know Bruce, right? <laughs> yes. so, so this is Bruce Slater from yes. Radical ah, Four. Oh, oh, I know Bruce. <laughs> right. Bruce. Well, I like Bruce. where this is going as well. Yeah. I love Bruce. <laughs> um, and basically, there's this airplane that I've wanted. I've wanted to buy. Uh, it's called it's called the Sling, the Sling TSI. It's a four person airplane, low wing, beautiful thing. Uh, there's two versions of that airplane you can buy. The first one is the version they built for you. Uh-huh. The second one is the IKEA kit. That you build yourself? That you build yourself. What? It's about three to six months of work to build it properly. Um, and it saves a lot of money. It saves enough money that you can technically hire people to build the airplane and basically come out to the same amount of money. Okay. And I was just sitting at Dice, and I was having a chat with Bruce, and I look at the guy, and Bruce is just an absolute madman. <laughs> Bruce is the kind of person who will go in a kayak and launch himself off a waterfall and shatter his shoulder on a rock that he didn't see, and now have like a metal shoulder. Yeah, That's not an exaggeration. That's literally Bruce. And then you would think, well, that'll dissuade him from doing similar stuff. No, absolutely not. And Mason go, well, you know, next time I should just dodge the rock. Um, i survived when when he heard i was a pilot the first thing he asked is if it would be legal for me to suspend a kayak from the bottom of the airplane and (laughs) drop him into the water so question uh yeah it is illegal sadly but um, yeah (laughs) depending on where in the world you fly you could probably get away with it but 
I'm not gonna do that. Um, to to poor Bruce. Poor, <laughs> poor Bruce. That well, no, no, no. Bruce would love it. He he would pass away, but he would be very happy. <laughs> um, the uh, the short thing is, I was looking at Bruce, and I had all that in my mind, and I suddenly I just looked at him, and I'm like, "You want to build an airplane?" What? And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm in." <laughs> I don't. I don't even know what this is about, but I'm in. <laughs> that is, that so, is so Bruce. That is so, hilarious. Part of me is just like, what if instead of starting with the talk show part, we start with I bring cool people to my to my airplane in progress, and then we just build an airplane. That is a really cool idea. And then you fly it, <laughs> and then I fly the airplane, and I do the talk show. Yes. Wow. And the canoe thing with Bruce. <laughs> Probably not do that. <laughs> Probably not. This show is um, is evolving in ways that are very unpredictable. Right. I love it. And, you know, <laughs> given that Bruce is building it with me, neither of us really has any particular, like, mechanical engineering ability. So we hope we put the screws on the right way. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh no! Uh, <laughs> but I feel fairly confident that we can. Did we can I pull say it I liked where this was going? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm conflicted so, about where this is going. <laughs> so the good news is, I've also asked some other people, among which one person that's good at electronics and one person that is a mechanical engineer. There you so, go. So um, I might have an actual crew to build this airplane with. Uh, just don't know how I'm going to set it up because not all of them work remotely. But it's um, it's just it's we're gonna see how this evolves. Maybe I'll do that first. Maybe not. What an adventure, Yarami! Oh, wow! Yeah. I'm, I if you had asked me to predict where that story was going, <laughs> IKEA <laughs> I mean, airplane with Bruce was not. <laughs> as soon as I said, said Bruce, Bruce yeah, you knew where it was going. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love that guy he is, he is such a cool dude yeah i mean the kind of person that runs a studio that you still feel is like really part of the the people that are the studio right like that's yeah. that's rare that's rare absolutely yeah no he's a gem of a human being mm-hmm. yeah i'm a big fan other other than constructing planes so with, uh, <laughs> right. with with adrenaline-inducing um, <laughs> folk. Um, you guys been doing much uh, lately? Osama, have you been playing any games or something you want to talk yes. about? Actually, I've been playing a game called Loot River. Have you all heard of it? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't. Yeah. Tell me more about it. What's Loot River? Okay. It's a top-down, roguelike action combat type game where you are over water, like that's a river part, where there are platforms that you can move around kind of like, imagine like Tetris pieces, like, you know, tiles. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that old type of puzzle game that where you'd have one empty spot in a, in a square and you have to move everything else to like fit everything in? It kind of feels like that uh, while, while combat is happening. So it's a fusion of, of those two genres. It feels like a puzzle game in a sense, or an action puzzle, or not an actual puzzle game, and a combat game. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's clever. It's two things I've never seen before. So you have these I had platforms. To see a, uh, I had to see a GIF of a game to like really understand what's yeah, what right. it's hard because there's like there's nothing else out there like it, and yeah. the, the combination of those two things is new. It's very creative, and and. Overall, fun, but I have a, a huge asterisk. Before you go to the but and like you know yes. the things you don't like about the game, I still want to kind of understand what's happening. What do you control, the character or the pieces? So you control both the character and the pieces. You're, you ah, have both. one analog stick that moves the pieces around, and uh-huh. you have your other one that moves your character around, and you're able to do both at the same time. So while the enemies are like coming at you, um, yeah. You could actually separate them. Like if they're half are on one platform, half are on the other, you could separate them and just fight a few and then bring it back and fight the rest. Or you could actually find ways to bypass them where you, you know, you uh, move a tile, like as, as they're jo- jumping on the tile that you're on, you jump on another tile and move that tile away. So you oh, could like, not have to deal with them. Um, and that kind of thing is really cool because I even though I knew that I could do that, it took me a little while before I realized that hey, I should be strategizing with the tiles. Like initially, what I did is I'd move the tile to the enemies, 
fight them. <laughs> Move to the next one. And just uh, there's a, another segment to it that's not as satisfying where you you have to actually move the tiles around to make it to the next level too. Um, oh. Yeah, so sometimes... So like those doors are hidden and stuff like that. Exactly, or un- inaccessible because the different tiles are different sizes. So you're like, I can't just move this one forward. I have to move that one left and this one right. And that, okay, now I could, I could make it to the door. Even after you defeat the enemies or even in rooms that there are no enemies. So mm-hmm. every room you, you jump into, because it's like a roguelike, so it's somewhat procedurally generated every room you jump into you're like is there a threat yes no uh where do i have to go how do i get there that's kind of the game loop and then you get to the next room and you move on um overall i really thought it was creative that i'm very happy i tried it for that alone um if i could jump into the things i kind of like a little less yeah the first thing is it really just felt other than a few clever things it felt like um it, it was missing a lot of potential like there were a lot of enemies that could have maybe moved the tiles for you or like you know uh, kind of obstruct you in a different way or able to jump from one tile to the next or like find ways to be like okay now we have this setup how do we make it keep it interesting right um it wasn't that it really just felt like it was a merger of these two genres uh and even though that was fun on itself usually like you, you you stop and think and say okay now what can we do with this uh, it felt like that part stopped short does that make sense mm-hmm. okay yeah. and the next yeah. thing is it just didn't feel like there was a lot of content like you after a very short period of time you start to see the same enemies you start to see the same tile patterns and you're like okay that was clever maybe it would have been a great couple of hour game but the four mm-hmm. hours i spent in it like the the last two really like really felt the same as the first two um and i I fell off after that so great premise i i feel there's a lot of potential for a loot river 2 to be an excellent game now that they have like the fundamentals down they could do some brainstorming and come up with really cool um enemies that use those mechanics uh in clever ways new puzzles maybe whatever what have you um so it stops a little bit short of being great Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such a it's, it's such an interesting mechanic, yeah, uh, and like a combination of events. And I kind of like the art style of it as well. Uh, when I see it move, I agree. It has it like actually, a very, <clears throat> very nice uh, sense of like impact as the pieces come close together, which is pretty sweet. Has a bunch yeah. of three, uh, screen shakes, which I know Rami appreciates. <laughs> yeah, no, I really, I really love the style. It's just really. Um, it's kind of a soft pixely style. Mm. It's nice. Yeah. It's it, it has a really good vibe. Uh, where where you know, I like that. There's always sort of like experiments, uh, with um with what pixel art can look like, and this this felt really good. Agreed. There's some really nice touches too. Like there's a little bit of dynamic shadowing that works mm-hmm. pretty well. And yeah, exactly. Like um the other thing by the way there is a narrative to the game there are, there's like when you die there's this, uh, this spot that you go to because it's a roguelike so i mentioned that you die and you start over a few times um mm-hmm. you talk and the, there's like exposition of what the narrative of the story is um the main complaint i had about that is it felt like that's the only place that the story lived like it really felt that there's a disconnect between the gameplay and the story and it wasn't explaining what was happening as much as it was telling me things i couldn't see does that make sense right yeah, so yeah, I thought, yeah, like, a lot of sense. Yeah, that could have been uh, handled a little bit differently as well. But either way, I'm super happy I played it. I think it, it's worthwhile to check out. Um, it had really, really cool boss designs, and yeah, recommend it at least for a short while. You think it was going for much more after you dropped off? Uh, I, to be mm. honest, I don't know. Uh, like, mm. I don't know what what would have come. Uh, afterwards i don't know how long the game was but like mm-hmm. i yeah it just there wasn't enough new to keep me going that was the problem yeah 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 yeah, yeah. fair i mean like if you f- four hours is a sizable amount of time to invest yeah. in the game yeah yeah cool man you played anything else no but i did watch a few things do you want to hear oh, about you those? watch some things yeah let's, let's hear. <laughs> so uh, i watched an animated tv show called star wars tales of the jedi Ooh, um, i've seen that Yes, you've seen it with Count Dooku, right? It's Star Wars. I gotta watch it. 
Yes. So um, I, I'm not sure if there's going to be more of it or, or if this is the end of it, but I binged like the, the six episodes that were there. And um, it's really well done. It basically was about Count Dooku and it starts off when he was younger and talks about his motivation. It's, it's really for people who like Star Wars. I don't think people who don't like Star Wars will appreciate it because it mm-hmm. kind of fills in the gap of Count Dooku's story, but it does it in a very good way. It's, it, that that part is really really well handled and it almost feels like the star wars universe is rich enough that it, it could support an, another season w- w- where it does the same thing for a different character like maybe we could learn about yoda when he was younger and why he's the only person of his species to talk that way or <laughs> what have you like there's mm-hmm. so much potential to like not do a very big thing but to give us a little bit of of to let us peek behind the curtain of a few characters um I would appreciate this big time. Now, seeing as it's an animation with a TV budget, um, it, you know, it, w- it wasn't as fluid as you would imagine, but it was still, it did the job well. Mm-hmm. Uh, just don't expect something that has like, you know, uh, high, lo- like high levels of like animation. Does that make sense? Yeah, Absolutely. I guess. I guess. It's, uh, this is uh, created by uh, the same dude that did uh, The Mandalorian, I think. Favreau? So oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, so it's the same director, same writer, uh, Dave uh, Filoni, I think is his name. Let me double check. Oh. Yes, yeah, Dave, Dave Filoni. So um, he uh, he wrote, directed, and was the executive producer on both The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett. Wow. So I think it was, um, you know, a lot of these characters he was kind of involved into creating. I love it. Okay, that's great. yeah. yeah. It, I mean, yeah, I love those shows as well. So I'm super yeah. happy to hear that. There's, he was uh, he was the writer of uh, Tales of the Jedi. He didn't direct it himself, but um, he wrote it. I think like uh, he was writing like you know uh, stories of Jedi's, mm-hmm. so to say. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like you know, as he's working on the Mandalorian, he was like you know writing some uh, short stories about different uh, Jedi characters from the prequel eras. Mm-hmm. And then, like, kind of wanted to use those in uh, in this uh, miniseries. I love it. Okay, that's mm-hmm. super exciting. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm gonna cool. check out what else he's written because I'm a fan of the, his writing. That's that's clear. Yeah, uh, yeah. The the ones I know about is like uh, Mandalorian and uh, Book of Boba Fett. Um, cool. But yeah, I think he's uh, yeah. I don't know if he's writing the third one. Uh, probably the la- the third season. Of I, uh, Mandalorian, which also is coming, so that's I, also exciting. I really tuned out of Star Wars. The, only, the, the <laughs> I have to say, after Rise of Skywalker, I haven't watched anything besides Andor. Uh, Andor is the good one. If you're gonna, Andor I was, was gonna great. say, Andor if you're gonna so watch good. one thing, Andor was the thing you had to watch. Yeah, it was so good. It was preposterous. Mandalorian. Mandalorian, Mandalorian is really, especially season one, it was really, really yeah. good. Yeah, Mandalorian is great. I had to watch Andor a second time because honestly, my hopes were not very high for it. And I, I watched it while doing other things. And then at one point I'm like, wait, this is good. And I'm missing out and I have to start over <laughs> to understand what the story was about, but it was worth it. It was really, really good. I don't know if y'all do that too. The background watching a thing that you don't expect is great sometimes just to have noise in the back. Is that I, just a I me don't, thing? I don't. Uh, that's just yeah. a me thing. I can, I can either look at something. I can either watch something or not watch something. Okay, no, I, I have categories of watching. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, I, speaking of watching, I did. I watched one more thing. Ooh. If, if you want to hear about a, it, a, a mini segue. Yes, a mini segue. It, it almost counts. So um, <laughs> I watched a DC animated movie uh, called Legion of Superheroes. I, as as y'all know, I'm a huge comic book fan. In general, I love the MCU, even though everyone's saying, "Oh, they're you know, it's it, it they're tired of it, all that fatigue talk." I get that. I respect that. That's not me. Every single one that comes back comes out, I'm super excited about. Um, but when it comes to the DCU, I'm not a fan. But when it comes to the animated DC movies, I'm a huge fan. I think they do animated movies better than Marvel. Um, and this is no exception. It's called Legion of Superheroes, and it follows the story of Supergirl. A Supergirl who, if you know a little bit about the, the story of Supergirl, is like she was shot into space at the same time as baby Clark from Krypton while the planet was exploding. Except something happened, and her 
pod that she was in was diverted and as a result there was this weird time travel thing because she was a teenager and he was a baby but he arrived on earth grew to be a man and then she arrived like that that's as a teenager so fast forward to legion of superheroes you see a supergirl who's a teenager learning to control these powers that she's never had before and doing it badly trying to be a superhero but like messing things up and for the fans of the DC Universe, you know that the Legion of Superheroes is the Justice League of the future. It's like a thousand years into the future. So the very improbable like beginning of the, of the movie, like how did Supergirl get involved with them, is the, the funniest thing. Superman was just like, well, you know, you're wrecking things here. So I'm going to send you into the future so that the Legion can train you and you can come back. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like the most ridiculous premise. If you squint past that premise, the rest of the movie is really good. It's a, it has themes of not judging a book by its cover and giving people a chance and that kind of thing. Uh, and it's really, really well executed. And it sets up like future possible uh, interactions between the Legion and the Justice League that I find fascinating and interesting. In general, I'm not the biggest time travel type fan, especially a la carte tra time travel where it has no consequences and you could just do wild things. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, with, with superhero stuff, generally you have to, you know, yeah, you have to forgive these things. There's a lot of really weird things happening to get to the story, and uh, I feel like it's worth it to suspend your disbelief on this point alone. Uh, I thought it was a great, great movie. Are you following like the DC universe generally? Um, yes. So yeah. I'm I'm looking into the the reboot that's happening now, and I yeah. feel um, it, the, even if it might end up being really good, I feel like they're repeating the same mistakes they did before. Yeah. Um, so what Marvel did really well is that they came and they said, hey, we are going to make the Marvel character who has the most my, my mainstream appeal and we're going to make that movie good. Hey, enter Iron Man. And Iron Man was good. Mm -hmm. And there are little hints that there's going to be more to come. When DC started it, they were like, hey, we're going to make a movie with Batman and Superman and five trailers of other characters that we're going to introduce <laughs> later because we're going to be MCU at their own game. And it fell flat on its face because that's yeah. not how you do it. There was a, a remember the Tom Cruise um, Legion of Monsters, or I forget what it's called. The, 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 they tried to do the same thing, but with monsters, with um, Frankenstein and with uh, like Dracula, and that. they have oh, it was yeah. universal. Yes, yeah. so that uh, that was like a minute. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly the point. They did the same thing where they're like, "We're going to start our own version of the MCU." They made one movie. It was meh, and it fell flat on his face. If the yeah. DCU really wants to beat Marvel, like look at what they did make solid movies and build on those but mm -hmm. like build on the solid ones like i understand that the the new batman is too gritty for this it's not it's it, it's too gritty to be super mainstream uh so maybe they don't want to pursue that but that's what i would have done i would have sim simply said okay this universe that movie was good who which other heroes can we introduce to this uh, and then give them their own spinoffs afterwards. Like a Green yeah. Arrow could have been something. Like that for in that world, how do we envision them in that world? That's a smart, slow, steady approach to this that Marvel did initially, and now like they don't have to, right? But DC always tries to skip. So even though uh, James Gunn, I believe, like he's he's good. Like I love the the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I feel they're making the same mistake again, which is putting all their eggs in one basket right at the go and making all these big announcements to try to get hype. The the stakes are too high now. One movie they could have pulled it off and then they could have built on it. I think that would have been a safer approach. I feel that um, you know because the, the the Batman movie, I think I feel like you know the DC universe uh, characters almost hinge on the success of a Batman movie. Yeah, and uh, Batman movies are often so dark and gritty that uh, they they want to match it with all the other movies. You know, like Aquaman yeah. was kind of dark and gritty. Uh, Flash is you know trying to be dark and gritty. So like. All of these, like all the DC direction and how they're making their movie, it's not like, you know, the type of movie that you think like, they're almost like they're trying to be Marvel for adults. But then yeah. at the end of the day, you're still like watching people in spandex and you go <laughs> like, <laughs> like you, you, you're taking this way too seriously for what it is. And uh, it's kind of limiting the mainstream appeal of it. And, it. and 
well, like Marvel is like the kind of movie, any Marvel movie, kind of like, oh, I'm going to take the kids and go and watch it, for example. Or yeah. like, you know, I'm going to put it on and we're just going to have a good time with friends and eat popcorn and just talk while it's happening. You know, like uh, they're all lighthearted mm-hmm. fun, mm-hmm. even when there was like, you know, darker moments in the Marvel uh, movies. Mm-hmm. Overall, it was lighthearted fun that you right. uh, that anyone right. could enjoy. Whereas like <laughs> DC movies, even like the ones that are supposed to be goofy, they are, you know, very gritty in tone because they. I feel like they have to match Batman, whatever the current Batman movie is of the universe. Yeah. And because of it, it's just like, yeah, but, you know, the Flash is not like Batman. And those two together is weird in a gritty setting, you know? It's not the kind of movie that everybody can go out and watch mm-hmm. and enjoy in mm-hmm. the same way. To be quite honest, and I know this is an unpopular opinion, I thought they should have just continued from where Shazam was. Shazam was a good start. It was fun. It was lighthearted. It was colorful. It was whatever. And they could have just made a Shazam verse. It didn't have to include all of the DCU and be huge. They could have had a separate Batman where where it's gritty and you could have offshoots of that where with characters that fit and a separate Shazam. And like that could have been their MCU. We have three MCUs, the super like lighthearted, colorful, sorry, DCUs. We could have like the super colorful. Yeah, <laughs> we have two yeah. MCUs: the one before Endgame and the one after Endgame. <laughs> but like, I I feel a plan that's different that that's actually built on what makes them good is so much would have been so much better than MCU again, but with our characters. It yeah. failed the first time. Why do you think it's going to succeed the second? And I hope it does because I love those characters too. I'm I'm a big comic book fan in general, and I want them to succeed. But like, yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah Batman that's, that's is my favorite. Uh, is one of my favorite superhero. Me too. And I, and I feel that, like you know, I I really enjoy the Batman movies, and I don't enjoy much of the DC movies around them almost at all. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, it is a shame. And like the the new Batman movie is even darker than the previous one. So like, you yes. know, good luck, Aquaman. Exactly right. <laughs> in, in keeping up with that, he's gonna have a literal fish face now to be pretty <laughs> <gritty> and realistic. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. I played and a it, bunch of video games. All right. I could I could tell you guys about. Go for it. Uh, so I I sampled. Uh, so I started two games that I haven't finished. I'll probably finish them by next week. Hopefully, we'll see. And mm-hmm. one that I finished. Uh, okay. So the first game I started playing uh, last night. So it's fresh in my mind. It's uh, called Wulong: The Fallen oh, Dynasty. How is I was, it? I was waiting for that. I, f- I didn't realize it yeah. launched. So you know, it's the first of all, it's free on the Game Pass. Plug of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Let me let me get the check. Let me get the check marks. Get the check. Ch- check. <laughs> check. <laughs> so it uh, it was launch day one on Game Pass. Uh, this is a game by Team Ninja, uh, the same team that uh, made the Ninja Gaiden games and they made uh, the Neo games, Neo One and Two. And this is a continuation of the Neo games. So it's a Souls-like game, so to say, but with the flavor of Team Ninja. So it's uh, a lot faster and a lot more twitchy and mm-hmm. a lot more tight. But the same kind of difficulty that you'd expect from that type of game in which like, you keep dying over and over again. Uh, <laughs> uh, you learn, you get better with the combat, and then you move forward. Right. Very reminiscent of Neo and Sekiro at the same time because uh, there's a heavy emphasis on parrying in this game. Oh, as yeah. a core, as a core mechanic, and I, it's, I think Osama, uh, you will appreciate this because you're also into fighting games. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't know, I don't know why we keep doing this to ourselves, but it's, it's totally that kind of game, and we should, you have to get like, <laughs> oh, the right boy. timing, yes. the right timing, and if you don't get that right timing, some attacks are unblockable and they do an insane amount of damage. But if you uh, parry them, you do insane amount of damage back, and you can actually like kill the enemy. Oh my gosh! So it's high risk, high reward. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So the one thing I'll say about that is younger Osama loved the parry mechanic a lot. Older Osama yeah. like loves the idea of it but can't keep up. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll try it for sure. It's on Game Pass and I've been waiting for it. I'm super excited yeah. about it. I'm probably going to get my butt handed to me at this point. So that's what happened to me, you know, like oh, last, no. night, uh, last night I was like, you know, I'm going to have a nice relaxing evening at home and play a video game. And instead I just allowed this game to kick my butt for the entire <laughs> evening. 
So basically, Wulong just was beating me up for the entire evening, and I was loving it for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I could already tell that it's a fantastic game. Very tight controls, like you know, classic uh, Team Ninja quality. Uh, what you expect from like an action game of that sort, and the same type of difficulty. I I don't think that um, they can beat the From Software ability to create interesting worlds i think very few developers in the world nowadays can mm-hmm. really yep. Yep. it was like you know as i'm playing this game and enjoying it i couldn't help but to think is that sekiro had a superior uh universe that i wanted mm-hmm. to explore mm-hmm. um and like uh it uh it's uh sekiro i think had the better ability of throwing stuff at you that were surprising mm-hmm. and i think graphical fidelity of from software games and sekiro specifically um is uh yeah strikingly better yeah, and the reason why i'm comparing it is unmatched really yeah it's unmatched it's uh, it's it's unfair to compare them but at the same time there's a two games in which you play a samurai slash ninja kind of character mm-hmm. um you know set in like it, parries yeah exactly heavy emphasis on parries you know dark souls style system you know with like bonfire ish mechanics um leveling up system you die you learn so you know, when you go into that Dark Souls kind of avenue, it's impossible for you not to be compared to the masters. And um, right. yeah, world building, I don't think they come close. But I think in combat tightness, they there's enough new things in the system that I think is uh, worth checking out for all the Souls fans. Especially while you're waiting for the new Elden Ring DLC to drop and you feel like being beaten up by a game, this is the one for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exciting. Okay. I'm, I'm uh, yeah, I'm to gonna try. give it a go. Like, uh, yeah. I can't wait to you know not win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll be looking forward to you guys' input because I think as game makers, it's hard not to appreciate the tightness of the three C's. You know, right, right. And like you know how 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 cool all of these systems come together. But uh, but as a as an aging gamer, it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, as an old man. As an old man. Remember that are alive when he used to ask you your age uh, and change the settings accordingly. They should do that, but with like Perry window. Yeah. <laughs> Just, like, they should you ask know. you like, how old were you when Habibi and Nur Ain came out? <laughs> <laughs> that song is eternal. It's a trick question. <laughs> Um, you said it. you played two other games. Yes, I played an indie game uh, called A Space for the oh, Unbound. Oh, I heard yes. that. That is, I'm very happy that that game came out, dude. Like uh, me, just watching the the the, the beginning credits mm-hmm. and just reading the names of the people that made this game just made mm-hmm. me smile. Yeah. Wow! Like uh, this is totally like the kind of uh, you know game development scene. I am very happy that is now existing. Yeah. So I think this is, uh, how can I describe this? This is a pixel uh, art uh, independent game in which is it's uh, more like an adventure game, I think is the closest thing I could say. It it, it looks like an RPG, but it's not. Uh, it has like the art style of a, of an RPG, but it's actually you're playing, you're, you're, you're collecting items, you're talking to people and you're solving puzzles. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game, I believe, is made in uh, Rami. You would know. I believe this is made in Indonesia. Indonesia, it's still good productions. Yes, um, uh, the which... quality of everything is phenomenal. Hmm. Uh, you know the team, Rami. Have you you spoken? To I know them guys? very well. I know them yeah. very well. Toge Toge is phenomenal. Uh, you know, I want to. I would just want to add two pieces of context because mm-hmm. I think they're they're both Please important. Do. Uh, so Toge is one of the the older indie studios in Indonesia, um, a phenomenal studio, honestly. And um, the the one thing I want to call out real quick is um, um, one of the founders of that studio, Mohammed Fahmi, yeah. um, passed away at age thirty two uh, in wow. March of last year, and it was a devastating loss to the Indonesian game development community. And honestly, he was he was a wonderful soul, and I've he he would have been one of the people I would have loved to have had on the show and it will forever be a regret of mine that i mm. i didn't get him on the show oh man um for like a proper full um a proper full episode um so you know it is a wonderful studio that was built on 
so much hope and so many dreams. And I think uh, Fahmi uh, really um, embodied that. Um, they've been making uh, games. You might know them from Coffee Talk. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, um, I know Coffee Talk. Right. And I, I think what I really like about um, about Toge is that they understood at first that you can't, they couldn't, they couldn't lean into being Indonesian too much at the start, right? They needed mm-hmm. that audience to understand first. So, so most of the earlier games are actually set in the West. Like Coffee Talk is set in the Seattle, West, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then as soon as they had, um, as soon as they had a little bit of that, that success, you started seeing them sneak in more and more. And now they're just, you know, as Fauzi said, when you see that opening sequence, they're just completely... Um, they're just completely Indonesian now. They yeah. just own their culture. They speak about it, and it's that invisible struggle um, that that a lot of studios outside of the West have trying to get to the point where they can actually make a game that's cultural, um, because they first need that audience that will actually care enough to to do the effort of getting into that culture. And I think they but, do a great job of like introducing some of that nuance of their culture as well mm-hmm. through the context of the game. So like when there is like a, an event that's happening that is, you know, borrowed heavily from Indonesian culture, the characters will talk about it to kind of explain it to the player. Yeah. To tell them like, you know, this is happening well, you know, when the kids graduate from school and they need to talk to this person to help them figure out like what they need to do next. So like they, they add that context yeah. to kind of help uh, help the Western player kind of also understand the nuance of what they're yeah. trying to do. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to point out that this game was you might have noticed uh, some some controversy in the indie scene. There's always controversy in the indie scene, but this game was the game that was severely um what's a polite word of saying it? Uh, the, the publisher was very bad to them. The publisher was called P-Cube, and apparently it turned out that the publisher was actually skimming money off of diversity grants and stuff no like that. No way. Um, oh, so this is just, the game that got affected by that. Yes. I, I remember that. That was a space for the Unbound, and that was one of those stories where, you know, there there's a bunch of stuff that you just kind of do in the background. Uh, in the games industry, and this is one of those stories where I wish that wasn't a thing that we needed to fight for in indie games, just mm. you know, being treated like real people. Um, but the um, the fact that they managed to resolve that issue and the game came out, it makes me really happy. And the fact that you're playing it right now, Fuzzy, makes me really happy. So. Man, I'm enjoying it so much. Yeah. Like, I think I've only played two hours of it so far. And uh, yeah, it's already like a serious contender for my game of the year. Amazing! Uh, like it's uh, the the quality of the of the pixel art is is world class. Like it's um, it 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 stands out. You you can you can tell that this is high quality. the The writing is really high quality. And what I like about this game is that it has so much heart. It's yeah. impossible to miss it. You know, like you can clearly tell everybody that touched this thing cares about it deeply and uh, there's a lot of the people that made this game within it yeah uh i'm loving it i uh, cannot cannot wait to play it i'm super excited yeah. i fell in love with the pixel art when i saw it on twitter and i added it to my very long backlog and i just bumped it super super high with all this context thank you yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course habibi i've had that actually on my waiting waiting list for years like uh i think i've seen like a video of it on a sizzle reel and uh, on an xbox thing I, I don't remember what was the event on a nintendo thing it was on uh, nintendo indie world yeah that makes sense i saw it on a sizzle reel there and i was like oof this game looks something and then uh, i think i talked to rami about it and he's telling me yeah these guys are from indonesia i was like from what <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, this is this is super high on my uh, on my uh, games list. So I recommend it highly. Um, I, I will I will finish this first probably before I get my butt kicked more by uh, Wu Long. But yeah, it's also perfect for the Steam Deck. Uh, oh it, yeah, it, of course. It feels like it, it made would me, be it made me dust off my Steam Deck, and now like I'm playing it a lot on it. Um, it's also on Switch, so it's also right at home. Uh, on that console <laughs> that's awesome yeah highly recommended uh, it, the th- 
One, yeah, one last yeah. note, actually. I'm sorry for this yeah. uh, awkward no segue, but Steam Deck, are y'all being bombarded with articles about how you're, we're not supposed to be enjoying our Steam Deck, or is that just me? Because I'm loving know. my Steam Deck. I still use it like every day, yeah. and I keep getting these pop-up ads of why why this Steam Deck is bad or why it failed. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on here? What's the conspiracy? Why are you not letting me just enjoy my my toy? Uh, I, I'll be honest, I, uh, I'm, ahead, I'm not enjoying my Steam Deck. So oh, I, so it was you, Ravi. You did it's this. It's just me. It's just me. <laughs> Rami is sending it over. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm. I don't listen much to people who tell me not to enjoy things on the internet. <laughs> Fair. Good, good way of being. Yeah. So yeah. I know we're running out of time a little, and I, I just, mm. I really want to sneak in one more topic. Do it, man. So Destiny Two had a new update. <laughs> <laughs> so subtle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! Just a giant storm started out here. Uh, just yeah. as soon as I said Destiny Two, just rain started falling out of nowhere. <laughs> Uh, it's um, snowing for hours in Stockholm. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, so the um, oh wow, you're gonna hear this on the recording if it gets any louder. Um, no, so uh, Destiny Two had its new uh, expansion release, which is its yearly chapter update. Uh, a lot of really big things have been happening, and um, I think there was a severe mismatch of expectations here because it's not bad, mm-hmm. but, but it's not. <laughs> It's not what people expected. Like, here's the thing. Narratively, it's just not very strong. And I think the largest part of that is that I don't think Bungie's telling the story the way people expected them to be telling the story, which was sort of like the big moment right now and then a year of, like, seasonal story to sort of, like, deal with things. Mm-hmm. And instead, what we're getting is, like, a question mark of like something weird happened. Nobody knows what it is. And I think we're going to spend a year figuring out how bad that actually is. Wow. And it's cool, but it's really not what we were set up for. Like a lot of really seismic things have happened in, in the destiny universe uh, recently, like the traveler, um, the big orb that has been in place for like nine years, like left us, went to space uh, there was a big fight being set up, like the 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 forces of darkness were out on doorstep, and then forces of darkness kind of like strolled over to the traveler and touched it, and went like, "Oh, hey, the thing we need is on Neptune," and then just left. Wow. Okay. And we're like, wait, <laughs> wait, 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 okay, but what is on Neptune then? That must be very important. And it's like, we don't know. It's like, okay, but we should we should do something about that. And it's like, probably. Let's go. And it's like, but we don't know. It's like, no. Also. Where are we going to find? Neptune. What's there? A city. Do we care? We don't know. Um, so there was just a lot of question setting. And then just not a lot of answers. And that's just not really what... I, I'm sorry, you guys. Like, did I, I, I just mentioned that rainstorm just starting. <laughs> the, the, it was completely gray outside like 10 seconds ago. And it looks like that cloud just fell to earth and it's just blue. <laughs> it descended. It just blew. <laughs> the sky's just blue all of a sudden. Wow. It's still raining, but like this, I've never seen anything like this. This is beautiful. Um wow. Um wow. <laughs> the weather wow. the weather has been wild here in Sweden. Yeah. Like we had um, we had an aurora over Stockholm, I think. Two, two nights ago and then since then it's been snowing non-stop <laughs> so yeah. it's like wow. what's going on it's like end of days here in sweden <laughs> for us it's the opposite we had a lot of snow and i started shoveling on sunday and then it got super hot and all the snow became wet and heavy and sludge slushy and today it's over like above zero degrees celsius so everything is melting and you know it's just a mess you know when people imagine like beautiful snow in montreal it's december not march <laughs> right <laughs> very true very true but i think all of these like you know like these strange and uh, tough weather conditions there are signs that's, that there's a big disturbance in the force because I believe Rami doesn't like something Destiny for the first time. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, no. Well, All of this is like the universe is shaking. It's like, what's well, happening? It's weird, right? Like, it's weird because the gameplay is better than ever. Like, in fact, on Twitter, I called it Destiny ODST. And it 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 is really 
Destiny Odyssey. Like it, it's down to the story, but it also means that some of the best work that they've done in terms of scenario, in terms of combat, in terms of everything is is in this expansion. Like there's incredible highlights in there. It's just narratively it it didn't do what we felt they set up to do. And I think in a way like the, Bungie will be able to make up for it with this year of content, right? It, 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 like they have a year to explain what just happened because what just happened is not what we expected. Um, so yeah, we, we have we have time to figure it out. They have time to like strain it out. It's just not what we expected. We expected sort of like big answers now and then a year of like oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Um, instead, we kind of got like a yeah, this happened. Um, we don't really know what it means. And yeah, that that's just not really what we expected. That said, the gameplay is on point. Like it's very, very, very good. Mm-hmm. Lots of like quality of life improvements, loadouts, the mod system was made better. There's finally onboarding in this game. They finally did it. They finally is made it good a thing. Onboarding? Like can it I actually is fairly up? good onboarding. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They now have this sort of journey system that sort of like points you at what you could do or should do. I'm super uh, happy to hear that, but what took them so long? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, frankly, it's probably just infrastructure. Like yeah. Destiny is like layers on layers on layers of tech depth. Yeah, I'm still trying to understand like what content is still available and what isn't. Every time I talk to people about new expansions, and it feels like it's random flip of the coin whether you can play something old or it, not. It's not really the basic way it works is expansions, so main campaigns you can continue to play. All the way back to Forsaken. That's the that that one is out. But anything from Shadowkeep onward, you can still play, which includes Beyond Light and includes the Witch Queen, and it includes now uh, Lightfall. Uh, those campaigns you can still play. The seasonal stories that happen every quarter, those are gone. Mm. Um, and then the exotic missions, which are sort of like side missions that happen throughout the season, where you can get special gear or special items those are usually really funky and really interesting and weird um those continue to stay interesting okay so they do have a system like people who play the game understand it's not a surprise yeah. okay yeah okay that's what's so important i'm i'm very um not confused but i'm i'm cautiously optimistic about Lightfall, which is very different from Witch Queen, where I was just like just yelling about it. But um, I, this it, this has potential to be really good. They've they've set some cool uh, chess pieces on the board. Um, so super exciting. Yeah, I'm happy. We'll see. When does it connect? Like, uh, when do you see like where the pieces fit? So these first three months is called Season of Defiance, and apparently we're gonna figure out some stuff about the pyramids. Which is sort of like the bat, the bat group, mm-hmm. um, and um, beyond that, um, probably the season after that, which is in about three to six months. Okay, so they could have a surprise, basically, like you know, like this is yeah. a setup, and then they're gonna build something on it. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. It's 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 fun. It it's a really different place than. Um, then we expected, like we expected Dark Grim, and we got like Neon City. Um, mm-hmm. so we'll we'll see where it grows. Like the raid is gonna come out, like I think this week. So that'll be really really exciting. Contest mode will be on, so everybody will be racing uh, to be the first one to clear that raid. I'm not gonna be it. I'm not even strong enough to do it yet. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, th- these are always exciting times in Destiny, and the raid usually opens up a piece of lore. Or a piece of story that isn't available just yet. So when the first crew clears that raid, the story will actually progress. So that'll probably be this week. Nice. It's Bungie, so they're bound to... Uh, yeah, they're, they're good. <laughs> I'm excited to see what happens. I um, And that that's one thing they got really right. I can't believe it just entirely... That cloud just literally fell from the sky. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I'm really excited to see what happens. So... Cool stuff, man. Have yeah. you played anything else you want to talk about? I haven't. I've been at Dice. I've been in Gdansk. I've been like just playing Destiny. Like it's nobody's business. <laughs> uh, I haven't even flown airplanes. Like just just to make clear how overwhelmed I've been this past oh, man. Week, two yeah. weeks. 
You should have flown over Gdansk. That's a beautiful skyline if I've ever seen any. The the Gdansk one? Yeah. Yeah, I could I could have. I just didn't have time because it was such a short event and I was there so last minute that yeah, uh, true. I just I just couldn't set it up. But I was really happy I came to Poland. I had such an amazing time, like saw Same. amazing people, spent uh really good time, had amazing food. Oh my god. Uh, took took great photos, like had a good time hanging out with people. So yeah, no. Gdansk is a is a very fond memory. Yeah, same for me, man. I enjoyed it quite a yeah. bit. Awesome. All right. Uh do we still have time for me to talk about the one last game? Let's do it. Speed run it. All right. So uh this is actually like very fitting because it's a short game. The game <laughs> is called uh Gibbons Beyond the Trees. So oh yeah, pro- that's good. It's an it's a, also a small indie game. Prior to playing this game, I didn't know much about Gibbons, to be honest with you. Oh. <laughs> for, for like Gibbons, monkeys, potatoes, potatoes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what I like about this game is that it central uh, centers around a core mechanic. You're playing as a gibbon, and you're swinging on trees, okay. and uh, you alternate with the left uh, and the right shoulder buttons to okay. do that motion to swing on trees. And as a gibbon, you're really having a lot of fun swinging on trees, you know? <laughs> so, like, so far, so I love good. that and user then, story. As a gibbon. <laughs> as a gibbon. As a gibbon, I like to swing on trees. You know, like... <laughs> I think, like, that's, you know, like, how the game starts. Like, I want people to really have fun swinging in this game because that's, you know, what the gibbons love to do. <laughs> yes. Um, and yeah, so you start playing and you're just like going around, you know, like you're just, you know, swinging on trees, trying to like, you know, uh, time your 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 presses and your jumps so that uh, you get like the best momentum moving through the forest, which is like a really uh, freeing feeling that the game like really does really well. And uh, the concept of the game is to show humans uh, effect on the gibbon's life. Mm. So um, as the game progresses, you start to see like how human intervention in nature is like really making it difficult for these gibbons to just be yeah. themselves. And, uh, and that affects you as a player, which I thought was one of the most brilliant things about this game. Because as the game, as you progress in the game, forests are burnt or houses are built and your ability to swing becomes more and more difficult. Therefore, humans in the game are literally disrupting your fun. It's taking you out of the flow because as you're swinging in a forest, in the forest there's plenty of spaces to uh, to swing around. I guess like to 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 make it like you know close in people's imagination. This is the closest thing is like when you're playing Spider-Man and you're swinging all over town and then you come across uh, Central Park, <laughs> and, then, the and then you, and then you, you can't you can't swing properly. So like you know as you're, you're usually in Spider-Man, you try to avoid Central Park just because there aren't enough spots there for you to put your web and swing and do the thing that you enjoy the most. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Good example. And in this game, it's exactly like that. You see a human race coming into the forest, you know, um, kidnapping gibbons and destroying the forest, like screwing up your fun. Wow. <laughs> and, I, and I love that because it's not, it wasn't just a thematic element to, uh, to tell you how human intervention is making these animals' lives worse. You as a player feel it through mechanics that's uh, powerful that's really powerful. very very powerful uh, a yeah. brilliant game uh, it's a very short game so it's like if you have an hour an hour and a half uh, you can finish it but you can keep on swinging for another couple of hours if you want afterwards and uh, it is touching it is uh, uh, it is very educational and it's confirmed through mechanics. And I have to admit, like like I said, I went in, I didn't know anything about Gibbons. I came out of this game knowing quite a bit about these right. animals. <laughs> like, I, I've learned so much about these animals through, like, the mechanics that this game offered. Um, but this is, like, you know, one of those uh, really, like, games beyond entertainment kind of thing. It's Wonderful beautiful. game. I recommend it for everybody. It's, it's so uh, good. It's so it's good. Really, really good game. Yeah, I can't wait to try it. You're giving me yeah. too many games to try. I don't have that much time, you fozzy. You have to slow down. <laughs> Take vacation, man. You know, yeah, you I, should. <laughs> I should. I should. I should. Just time for early retirement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Go Habibi's full time. 
We should have like a Habibi's retirement house. We're just sitting there playing MMOs all day. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> and we're putting Amr Diab in the background. Oh, and, perfect. Uh, <laughs> and like, you know, sit outside on the porch and we eat seeds. We eat watermelon seeds <laughs> with our fake teeth. <laughs> shall, I, shall I just start the percussion again? <laughs> <laughs> as, uh, as old people will be able to do a bunch of drumming as we're singing right, right. just like you know like just just sprain my wrist on the first try <laughs> i love I'll just the start, of this <laughs> the click with my fake teeth is what i'll be doing <laughs> all right i guess it's time to put a doily on this yes i think it is uh, yeah. it's, it's been wonderful because, uh, i've missed y'all Big time. Yeah, yeah, it's good to catch up with all of you folks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I know you have other things you want to swing to. (laughs) 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 Love it. (laughs) Uh, So this has been this week's episode of the Habibi. Thank you for tuning in. Um, Send us emails at info at thehabibis.com. You'll make Osama very happy, and we will will. uh, hopefully have time next week to read some of them. (laughs) And uh, join us at our Discord at discord at thehabibis.com. Other than that, there'll be another one like these next week, inshallah. 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 But for the time being, salam. 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 That was the Habibis podcast for this week. I am Fauzi Masmar, your host for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at Fauzi Masmar. My fellow Habibis were Osama Dorias, who you can find on Twitter at Osama Dorias, and Rami Ismail, who you can find on Twitter at THA underscore Rami. Send us your questions, stories, and suggestions via info at thehabibis.com. Intro and outro music was provided by Malik Zubela, and the logo was provided by Ibrahim Hamdi. The Habibis is a weekly podcast about three game developers drinking good Arab tea, with new episodes launching every Friday, inshallah. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe to your favorite podcasting service or check out thehabibis.com for more information. Thank you for listening. Salam.